is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Damien Barrett here in the South Bank Studios. Craig Hutchison, I believe, back in Sydney. Well, I can see you down the... Uh, the video link here, Hutchie, I'll get to you in a moment. We sometimes like to start off this show. To? <laughs> it's only two of us. You'll get to me in a moment. Hello, Damo. Who else is there to get to? What well, else have you got that runs ahead of me on the rundown? I was just going to... the only other person here. I was going to attempt some craft, some, some broadcast oh, right. craft, Hutchie, okay. and set it up before I threw to you. So, so we'll keep all this in just to let people know that we are a bunch of amateurs here. Um, we sometimes try and start with a bit of a lighthearted moment on this one, but I want to start seriously today, Hutchie, with, um, okay. which, is, which is relatively fresh off of you hosting uh, Footy Classified last night and comments made by Caroline Wilson on the panel about the unavailability of two St Kilda players, Tim Membry and Seb Ross, for personal reasons to not play on the weekend that just gone. And and Caroline having an issue with that absence. Uh, over to you and hello, Craig Hutchison. Damien, nice to see you down the line on Teams. Um, I think we'll do a better job hopefully on Teams and Zoom than Nathan had to put up with last Wednesday. No doubt you'll get to that at some stage <laughs> and we've all been in that moment before. I think what you're referring to is Caroline's I guess criticism of Seb Ross and Tim Membry leaving the Saints trip to Cairns and calling into question whether they should have gone in the first place. You've probably all heard the audio by now. I take it by you leading the show with it today that you have an issue with her with Caroline's uh, comments. I thought it was extraordinarily poor from, from Caroline to, to go down this path, to, to ask questions and, and, and to, in her words, and for those who haven't heard it, you can go and find it on the Footy Classified, Footy on Nine um, Twitter handle. The comments she made, Hutchie, questioning their their right to do so, questioning the reasons why they they did so, and also basically sheeting home some blame to, to those two individuals who, who made family decisions to put family first ahead of football. I, I as I said, I think it's it's poor. I think it's hypocritical. I, I think it's staggeringly wrong. You you were in the chair. Why do you, why do you the, say that? Because I just it's not a view I subscribe to, and I thought as an industry, and let's just maybe focus on the the sports industry or even even more specifically the footy industry. I thought we were becoming better educated on on the need to respect people's wishes when it came to when it comes to to putting their own lives and putting family ahead of kicking a football on a weekend. So the thing that caught my ear in the conversation we had last night on Footy Classify was Caroline. I, I put the question to her from memory. I can't remember the exact question, but I said that the St Kilda Footy Club had been publicly supportive of this, and Caroline answered in a way that made me feel they weren't quite as supportive. Do you think that's the case? Do you think that there's a view in some parts in St Kilda, be it players or administration or otherwise, that added fuel to Caroline's view? Because I was curious to hear her last night um, suggest that there wasn't an emphatic club support that perhaps they had publicly presented. That was the interpretation I took, not necessarily her words. Interestingly enough, at at 3.46pm on the day after the comments were made, there is nothing substantially strong from St Kilda Footy Club. I know that they have been asked for comment and at this stage they've chosen not to go down that path. Paul Marsh, the head of the Players Association, has at Hutchie in the past half an hour gone out very strongly on it, con- condemning the comments, referring to them being comments of the type made in a in a previous era. Let me get back to you. Let's let's get your opinion on, on what Caroline said, please, because I've just given you mine. Yeah, I, I can only take on face value that there's a level of frustration in some parts of St Kilda about it. 
I would think, because they've been through you know, several situations now with Pat Ryder and... So that was what I was interpreting, that there wasn't... Perhaps it wasn't just Caroline's view, that there was others that shared it. I think she named uh, a player or two who'd, who'd asked them to stay. Um, so that's that's interesting. Um, my view is, as I expressed on the show last night, Seb Ross is, in particular, and Tim Membry, they're respected senior players. They've been around a long time. Seb, Seb's captain the club. They've been great servants. You have to trust them. Hmm. If You don't have to really even understand their circumstances to trust their view of their circumstances, in my mind. So if Seb is of the view that he is needed at home and, he, and you trust him because he's been a big part of your journey then you have to trust that view. You don't even really need to understand it. You just need to accept it. Yeah. Now, so that's my view, and I, I share your view. With that said, I do respect Caroline has a different view, and I don't agree with it, but I do admire the fact that she's prepared to voice it knowing it would be unpopular. It's not my view. I'm with you. I think that, you know, these are, these are guys that haven't just blown in off the street and you're not sure of their character or quality or leadership or role in your team or role in your future. Seb's been a, what is he, a 200-game player or he's in that neighbourhood probably? He's a two-time best and fairest winner yeah, he's of been the a, in question. He's a servant, right? He's a sole player. So if, if he says to you, you, know, you might not understand this, but there's reasons I need to be at home. I don't think you even need to question what they are. You just need to trust right. your player. Let's go down an extensive path on this then, Hutchie, because what you've outlined is fair enough, okay? I'll concede what you've said there, that maybe some share that view at St Kilda. That's relating to be. I don't know that to be true. I'm asking you as much as anything. Yeah, like no, it. no, look, I, I, look, we haven't heard from St Kilda Footy Club. I think it's interesting they, they haven't. I mean, this, they, they this should, club, this club last week. they would have spoken by now, wouldn't you? Well, I, I've put it to them and they've chosen not to. Um, this club last week, Hutchie, remember, had a, had a public, problem with the headline Missy Higgins around a story relating to, to one of their players, Jack Higgins, who missed a few goals on the on the previous match, and also some other commentary made about another player within the match relating purely to football, that being Max King. And here we are today, two players being questioned for, for, for um, actions off-field that relate to them putting family first, and we're yet to hear anything. Now, we might. It's 3.49 as I speak now on this uh, particular Tuesday, but we haven't heard anything. Do you, what, do, you think what, do you think St Kilda have any right at all to question those players' decisions, players not, or coaches? Not if they've accepted the decision and, and, and signed off on the players. No, forget about the acceptance and sign off. Those two players walk in and they say, we're needed home yep. because of our families. Do, do you think St Kilda need to unconditionally accept the answer to that? I think they're allowed to ask a, a subsequent question or two, as, as, as you would do. But, but if, I mean, the Seb Ross circumstances, uh, on face value, do they, it, they just have to support that, don't they? I, they I, can't. I, can't, I couldn't agree more with that part of it. I mean, and for those who don't know, Seb Ross is, and his, his partner have had twins about four or five weeks ago, and Tim Membry's partner is expecting just to, just to line up their specific issues at, at play here. But, Hutchie, it's not just Caroline about Caroline also the, questioned Pat Ryder earlier in the year, by the way. So it's, not, it's a view that she has... Uh, Stuck by that, they, that they are needed players mm. at, at needed times. Okay. So that's okay. That's that's her her view. I that's, disagree with it, but I respect it. That's the players' side of it. What about the players' partners' side of it, Hutchie? So are they just meant to be dealing with with their problems too? And look, the, the man goes off and does the work, and then he comes home and does what he can. Is, is that is that what we're expected to believe here too? Because how could Caroline know? What the part the respective partners of, of Tim Membry and, and Seb Ross are well, going through. I mean, that's the point, right? You don't, you don't, you can't walk in their shoes. And that's but my you, point. Why, why make the comment publicly the way she has without knowing? 
So my view is you just need to unconditionally accept and trust their own view of their circumstances. Yep. I don't think either of them are of the calibre of person that would try and take a, a, a shortcut or an easy decision ever. I think they're both of the highest calibre people and leaders, and, and Seb's at the front of that. And so you don't even need to drill into the why or the how. You just need to say, okay, we got your back and we support you on this. Yep. That's how I think you need to handle it. And you might not even, you might privately not even understand it yourself, but you, it doesn't, you don't need to. You need to just respect and understand yep. that they're not the type of people that would put that request up unless it was needed in their lives. We're coming out of a COVID period too, Hutchie, where there was meant to be a, a conditioning, of, I thought anyway, of, of people's issues when it comes to, to dealing with life. And the players have gone over and above what was required yeah, last year to keep the industry alive. Society's still trying to find the right balance of that, though, isn't it? It's happening everywhere. It's society is trying to show empathy, compassion, emotional support, and then understand where the, where to draw the line on job and performance and all those things. Footy's not different to any other industry that are going through that at the moment. There's there's another footy club that that celebrates the the, the expression of vulnerability within its ranks, Archie. That that being the Richmond Footy Club. Are we only allowed to? to allow players and constituents of said club the right to express true and pure vulnerability if you win premierships. Is that part of this conversation too? Is is the fact that St Kilda is a basket case on field part of the reason that Caroline's and maybe people by extension at that club have a problem with it? Yeah, I, I think it feeds into the whole St Kilda issue though, right? Like there, there appears to the, from the outside to be a level of uncertainty like that whole alignment last year and connection they were selling and emotionally connected to each other. Now we've got spot fires everywhere, you know. We're having to come out and defend Jack Higgins and it, can Max King go and see Matthew Lloyd and should Pat Ryder be away and are we really supportive or only kind of kind of supportive of seven? There's just – it just feels like this – the lack of performance has created a level of mistrust and uncertainty and they're mm. spilling out into these environments and areas in opinions or otherwise. That would be my view. When, mm. when things are harmonious, you don't get when things are when you're winning and you're happy, you don't get second guessing or of, of these type of things. Yeah. Um, for all of Richmond's challenges last year, no one actually left. By the way, Trent didn't miss a game despite all of the possibility that he might. Um, mm. I suspect Richmond, for all of their connectivity, said, "Look, if you can stay and play, we'd obviously prefer that. If you need to go, we understand." You can understand why St Kilda would be perhaps a little, not frustrated, but asking the question, look, do you reckon you can stay and help uh, or do you really need to go home? But once, when and if the player puts their name to going home, I think you just have to accept that. Hmm. You just have to live with it. And, and if, if the organisation, i.e. St Kilda in this conversation, n- needs to a- adjust the, the the pay component to the unavailability, I've got no massive drama with that too because there is a contract at play here. But surely, Hutchie, and this is probably gets back to the reason we're talking about this and the reason I'm pretty worked up over it, is that surely the player's right to put family ahead of football, which we've, as I said, I thought we were being, heading down a path to embrace that. And if said individual wanted to go down that path, that we needed to accept and respect that for, for whatever reasons they may be. And the reasons may relate purely to the partners on both occasions, yeah. for all I know. So we're getting better, though. It's just not perfect still, is it? 
Like we're still trying to find out what's. Well, I don't think we are getting better. If one of the one of the more senior and celebrated journalists of of our lifetime has has a view that I, I am staggered by Hutchie, and, and I'm not the only person. I'm not going to claim to speak for anyone else right now, but yeah, but, you, you've but had a couple like, of people on your radio station today express very similar views. Yeah. So, but do we do we do you need do we need to be offended by her, Caroline's view, or can we just accept that it's a different view to ours? Well, that, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But does it does it push back? The cause. Well, ultimately, it finds it's like St Kilda. Those players are going to return. Things are going to move on. Uh, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for them that that view has been shared. It's not my view. As I said, I would I'd have backed their view of their own world in. But I equally, you know, I have some degree of admiration for Caroline for being brave enough to to row a very unpopular boat, even if it's two percent of the population have that view and the other ninety eight percent can see the world differently. It's just life, right? Um, what a week it's been. Yeah. Uh, by the way, masterclass in media relations from Nathan Buckley. So if you were to script how to go out, when, why, and how to, how to, ro- how to look like an elite brand when everyone around you is, is, is failing. There's been potholes, mm. missteps, PR disasters for eight months at Collingwood, and Nathan walked in and said, get out of my way. Uh, this is how you do it. Even when the Zoom call goes wrong, I've still got this. <laughs> he was that if if you were to get him in a room and say, "Look, you're going to be sacked as coach, but map out your own one week." This is how you'd go. You go, "Okay, I find out the news on a Monday. I had 24 hours to remove the emotion. Didn't announce it till Wednesday, so he sat on it. He did a he did a Fox interview on Monday night where he only half answered a question about his future, and my ears went, "Oh, is there, is there something there?" And then they they moved on on 360. The next day, he clearly had time to emotionally deal with it. Probably walked around the house and bemoaned the outcome a bit. By Wednesday, was the right two people next to him, Mark Anderson and Graham Wright. If quarter is there, the issue gets sidetracked completely onto who's going to be the president. What's the next? You know, what's your view? What role did you play? I don't know whether Nathan said get he can't be at this press conference or not, but mm-hmm. whoever decided that was was brilliant. Was the right thing to do. Yeah, sure, some people will say, oh, where was he or whatever, but it, it, that press conference goes a whole different way if he's sitting at the table. Then he puts on a masterclass of performance and we and the team. He decides to leave quickly because you always leave the room when you're not wanted in life. He did it on a day where he had nothing to lose and heaps the game. If Melbourne are top of the table and beat yeah. them, everyone goes, oh, well, Nathan, we weren't expected to win. If you get a win, it en- enriches your legacy more. <laughs> yep. He did all the broadcasters. He did the seven and the foxes, and you know, yeah. he made sure that he played the media game on the way through on the on broadcast day. But didn't speak Wednesday or Saturday. So it didn't look like about him. Had the kids involved, which was great on so many levels, yeah. especially for them. And he had the player embrace on the ground. And now he leaves the room with his brand perfectly intact. Yes, highly aspirational as a media talent, and and I would suspect there's a role in footy for him again. And came out of it smelling of roses, mm. roses, and masterclass. All, all the while, while the club he's uh, leaving is is again to use that phrase I've already used uh, on this program today, the basket case. He didn't blame them, didn't blame anyone else. He was philosophical. He still gave Graham Wright the hug in the box. Who, yeah. you know, finished him off six. Who days delivered the like, news to him? Yeah. yeah, like it's it was so good. I, and I know coaches have got way better at doing it, but that's. And I reckon it's undersold. Just give yourself 24 hours to mm. mostly, you know, if he does that Tuesday morning, does he, is he still got a little bit on the liver and, you know, just 
half a clip at, you know, would have wanted to do it, but Someone. didn't get the chance. Yeah, yeah. he just got a bo- He bought a bit of time, right? Yep. 36 hours and kept it a secret for that time. It told Monday and now it's Wednesday. It's a, it's a good assessment of, of the week, Coach. What did you make of the, the president who, who wasn't at the press conference per se, at least on the main table there with the uh, cameras on him, but he was certainly on the ground post-match, uh, backslapping and high-fiving and, and was in the rooms also singing the, the song. I, yeah. I, I wasn't a massive fan of that, that particular action of, of Mark Quarter on that day. I understand. I used to... If you can't be involved in the fun stuff, what are you doing it for? Like it's was it a fun job? What was it fun to him? I mean, he's he's removed a man who has spent all bar one year of the past twenty seven. I, I, I think from be his odd, involvement with the club that week, there'll be odd, the odd, the Cynics Association of which you've been the chairman for several years now and looking to be re-elected on a on an eight year sort of Senate style basis. <laughs> By the way, I'll name the Cynics Association one day when we get a chance because you are the chairman. But there's plenty of you, mostly ex print alumni in that. Society. You, you name that team, and I'll name the fake positivity team. The the, the people who just feel the need to be positive yep. when the microphones are on. I'll, I'll I'll name that team. Right. So next week I'll announce the Cynics Association and the inaugural indu- inductees. Okay. Your presidency. I'll, I'll do my team the week after. <laughs> <laughs> the bullshitters, I'll call it. I, I reckon you need to be. You need to be there as the president. Like it's a big day. Win lose. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. You need to be there because because if he's not there, it's equally a, a talking point. But you need to be. Making sure you're, you're slapping the back of the bloke you've just sacked, effectively. You've moved on at least. Well, Did you, you need you, to be you judge shot? more of you, you judge more of you don't, I reckon. Oh. So you can't win either way. I, I think you're just a fair on the side of being there. Congratulate on the way past. You know, if you had his arms around him in the song Rob Lowe style, I'd have had a problem. But <laughs> I, I don't reckon that, <laughs> I don't reckon I got to that point. So I think he found the right balance of be present but not over the top. Yep. Uh, what I, so that was the masterclass. The, the negative to that is this. It's not the right time, comms-wise, to be rolling out the board of directors to speak individually. Couldn't agree more. It's a, it's, and I know that isn't an accident because you, we saw Jody, who's very eloquent. Speak, Jody Sizer. Jody Sizer. Yep. And we saw Paul Curio do the print yep. two-page spread. On two I papers. Seen it. On two papers. I haven't seen any others, but they were they were orchestrated moves, right? They weren't just Absolutely someone rang. Absolutely, they were. Yeah, someone just didn't ring and say, "Hey, would you feel? How would you feel about? Oh, yeah, I could probably be there at three o'clock." It, it, it was well planned, right? <laughs> yep. The timing is wrong. I know that the there'll be a, it was probably a board led thing or a Stephen Riley, the head of comms led thing, to yep. say, "Hey, it's split round. Here's it, a chance to get our story." Up. I'd imagine it would have been. He's the best in the caper. I'd imagine it would have been. No one's ready to buy that yet. No, and and you look you look divided when there's more than one voice as well. So, I thought it was an error. Uh, Paul came across it, all the Paul Lacuria read came across. It wasn't me, like the song. Yep. You know, and they're overplaying the referendum on Eddie thing. Like it's ultimately not going to be about Eddie this next election. They're, they're playing the supporters. All all it did, Hachi, get- All it did was take, I think, the reader back to the February day when Eddie resigned. It, it just. When the club itself had done everything to move on from that point. And I think the washing themselves. of hands, the, the washing of hands of what went on. I mean, that board, that board was divided, Hutchie, when Eddie Maguire stood down. Paul Curia was one of the people who wasn't as close to Eddie as he had been in the past. He didn't want to address that part of it either, though, did he? But I think they're overplaying the way people will vote based upon Eddie in this But They're playing the public a little bit like it's 15 years ago. The football mm. public are smart. 
they're going to make their own decisions on who they vote for. Yeah. And it's not going to be about Eddie. It's going to be about the Mark Corder vision or the Jeff Brown vision. And they'll vote one way or another. And they won't even think about what's been with Eddie. They, the board got tangled up in the old argument. Mm. The right thing to do for me was the exact opposite strategy. It was this. It was one spokesman only. It's Mark Corder. He's not brilliant in public, but you've got to live and die by what where he ends up, I think, from here. Yeah. I don't think you can put six other voices around him and hope no one knows that he's he's not as, as good on his feet as others. He, he should be saying this. Listen, like it or lump it, this is a board we've picked. This is how we've picked it, and this is the way we're moving forward. We as a board agreed and felt with Eddie at the time that it was time for change. That might be unpopular. That's where we landed on the day. We're not looking in the revision mirror any longer on that era. It's gone. Mm. Here's what we've done in the last three months. We've added this person, that person. We've resolved this. We've added that. Um, where is Jeff Brown's vision? Where is his second, third, fourth director? Mm. Where is he going to take the club? What's he said he's going to do? How is he going to construct it? Put the pressure we're, back on that way. We're open to that debate publicly to see what's best for Collingwood. Here's where we're going. Yep. We're, we're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing the other. You don't get caught in the... Yesterday. Mm. I don't understand why they rolled out the yesterdays everywhere. Yeah. No, I, I, if I was advising them, I'd be like, wrong strategy. I, wrong strategy. I had a very similar view on, on all of that, Hutchie, which is un, unusual for, for you and I to, to share such a view. Hutchie, tell me, did you get excited? Did you do your little personal um, personal little celebration for uh, Peter Credlin receiving an officer of the Order of Australia among the Queen's birthday honours this year? Well, <laughs> well, I smiled when I saw it, oh. and then I felt happy for you it was the the most overwhelming feeling was because that is that is oh, an because, honor because, that I, because i've met her once that is an honor that she accepts on behalf of both of you and your collective work towards the conservative liberal agenda in australia in the last five years uh i i know that you and your brother would be would have been around her house with a nice bottle of riesling now now, my brother may have had a genuinely excitable reaction to that, Hutchie. But... Oh, your brother would have been pumped. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I haven't spoken to him about it, but I'm assuming he, he probably has been around there. If, actually, no, he wouldn't have been because we're in lockdown, weren't have we? You been that in, time. Have you been invited to the uh, the OA shindig? <laughs> I wanted to raise this, though, as, as a way into this conversation. I think we've had this at least once before on the sounding board, and you and I have maybe discussed it many more times privately. I, I don't get these type of honours, Hutchie. I... I... I just, I just don't get it. Well, your I mean, man, what, Tony Abbott, gave the Prince Philip one. He did. Famously. He did. So, so, but okay, let's use Peter Credlin then as, as a way into this wider conversation. This is a, the article out of The Guardian, Hutchie. This is The Guardian. Yep. The, the controversial broadcaster, this is Peter Credlin, columnist and veteran Liberal staffer, was appointed to the second highest rank under the honours system for her contribution to Australian politics. Yep. Seriously? It's- what, what contribution? I mean, she got, it's a paid gig. And this is where I want to take this conversation and maybe take Peter Krellin. I want to, get, I want to take I Peter Krellin out of this now, okay? No, I, I won't let you fracture this um, circle you're in. I want to take Peter Krellin out of this. If you get paid. Tony Abbott if, need to get together in Albert Park again at Riccardi's at the end of the, what's it called? The place you catch up in Albert Park? Riccardi's. What's it called? <laughs> I haven't been there. It's Ricardo's. It's, an, Ricardo's. it's a fantastic restaurant. I haven't Peter been there for about two or three years, actually. <laughs> I know you get together and have the glass of red and celebrate the conservative agenda every Christmas. Yeah. I don't want to see this fracture, Damo, so I might not allow this to happen. In life, there are two kinds of people. People that get outraged at other people getting an award oh. and get on Twitter and vent for three it's days. It's not an award. It's an honour, Hutchie. An honour? It's, it's actually next level up from an award. It's an honour. 
or people who might raise an eyebrow when they see a, a recipient, but then go, good on them, that's good for them, no good for everyone else, and move on. Yeah. I, what I don't want, want to be the guy no, that but... talks down people getting awards. No. I don't. No, I have an issue, Hutchie, and I've said this to you before, okay, and I think you deep down too, but more pertinently to, to my, um, my, my team that I'm going to make about you, about the positive team, you like to present publicly, positively. When you get paid well to do, do something, do, or when you get you paid... Feel- Hachi, let me finish here. When you get paid to do something, why and how does that extend itself to you being allowed to be honoured for something? You're choosing to take a wage for the service. But I don't think people sit there and sweat the Queen's birthday on. Oh, no, they, they do, Hachi. I've, I've told the story. Actually, we have still told the story before. I know of two different people, without even trying to find this information out, who have spent years campaigning, getting people around them to do the work to pitch their causes to get such medals and honours. I, I, I cannot get my head around that. I can't think of anything worse. But people actually pitch. You, you, you've obviously got to pitch to the committee yeah. and present your case. And if no one's listening to you without uh, getting people on your books to then maybe do a little bit of pitching on your behalf, it's a fair. And there's a quid pro quo here and there, isn't there, along the way, don't you think? Usually. They get, they get a bit political from time to time. Very political. I, yeah. I I don't know the answer. I thought Peter did a, did a very fine job last year keeping the Victorian government to account by the different uh, coverage that she did. Whether that I don't know whether that was again, Hutchie, but, that, that's fine, and I thought it was great coverage. But but it was politically based. I mean, it's not she's not even being balanced in her in her quote services to politics. No, sorry, her contribution to politics. I tell you what, there's I, a contribution I, to a side of politics. The group WhatsApp that you're in with your brother Tony Abbott. And the other conservatives is going to be going nuts when they download this tonight. <laughs> uh, if I only had the link to add the audio in, <laughs> uh, they probably don't listen because they'd be and, on. And they'd take, be, me through, be no- take me through your definition of conservatives, please, when it comes well, to this this conversation. Actually, because you know, you, you know that I know you don't know what it means. You, you've seen it somewhere. You think it's cool to say it. What does it mean? The only, the only way, really, that they would hear of this conversation is if we were rebroadcast via Sky News as a one of those breakout yarns. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, Barrett wax OAs. <laughs> Uh, would be the only way because then they get a link in the sky feed or, or AOs on maybe. Twitter. <laughs> yeah, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Again, back back to the conservative definition, Hutchy. Before we move off, oh, how, how many different ways can you interpret the word conservative, Damo? Please. Well, no, no. I'm, I'm asking in the political context, please. In the political context, you yes. and Tony Abbott are as aligned as two people I've ever seen, and your brother is the conduit to that. But what does conservatism mean in a political sense, please, Hutchy? Damo, I've had my view. Oh, I see. You've never once what, – what's the left and right, Hutchie? You talk about the left and right as though you know about it. What, what does the right do and what does the left how, do? How many weeks are we going to have this conversation? Everyone's <laughs> bored with it. I'll stop it when you give me a proper answer. I've, I've, I've run you through it ten times, man. Move on. <laughs> what did you make, Hutchie, in the lead-up to the State of Origin, the photo put out there on social media by um, Gladys Berejiklian standing with, a, with an unopened can of soft drink about five hours before the game started – in uh, State of Origin uh, garb, watching a screenshot of a TV. What are we dealing with, Hutchie? Yeah, I thought the South Australian Premier, Steve Marshall, he's a bit of a, can be a bit of a character at times. I thought his response, standing outside the Allied Oval with the Farmers Union ice coffee the next day, was very clever. It would have I been, didn't see that. It would have been most probably a PR person going, oh, this might go viral. <laughs> um, maybe you can argue with Gladys has achieved its worth, right? Like, it was how do we get a picture to go viral to get people talking? 
and and focus on uh, our state today. So it would have been one of those PR stunts. Um, I'll tell you what, speaking of um, PR stunts, one little shout out if I can. I thought the Carlton Footy Club social team and the way they repurposed all the reports on Twitter of Harry Mackay going to North Melbourne and he wasn't following their Instagram and then the way they um, spun that into you know, following he's now signed was very clever. That, that's the quality of social media delivery left in Clubland. We're in good hands as an industry. So I'll get, Jane might retweet that from the sounding board um, uh, Twitter account for those who haven't seen it, but it was a bit of fun and the things that, something that will go viral on social. I thought the Steve Marshall response demo was first class and Farmers Union, by the way, is the South Australian brand. So that it was right on, right on cue. Speaking of uh, photos of, of politicians, uh, did you make out the one that uh, ScoMo, Scott Morrison, had, Hutchie, as he uh, met other world leaders in the in the week just gone? And the one I'm referring to specifically was the one with him in the Adelaide Crows Power Ranger stance. Did, have you seen that? No, I haven't. He's sitting standing next to Boris Johnson, who's somehow some sort of doing the same sort of stance. It's clearly a pose, Hutchie. It, it, it must be. He's either got the same advisor that the Adelaide Crows had for that final series where they looked like a bunch of idiots um, lining up for the anthem, and it didn't work. But clearly there is someone out there telling people in authority to, to stand a certain way when they're photographed. You couldn't – you don't just naturally well, he's got fall his into that pose. He's own photographer, of course. What did, you, what did you think more broadly of his decision to go to the G7 in the, in the current situation? Uh, look, I, I wouldn't have – I wouldn't have gone, but but again, I'm not. I'm again a bit like you before, but not not getting too worked up, worked up over the Australia Day. You wouldn't have gone in the letterbox in case you caught COVID. If you're the prime minister, you that conservative. Like that's hardly a barometer whether you would have gone or not. You'd, well, you'd, it's not as if they've uh, you'd be working out, out of the, a bunker. It's it's hard. It, it's fair to say, Hutchie, that they haven't been world's best practice in anything they've done on this on this front. Yep. They've just been lucky by living in a in an on an island that Australia effectively is. I was thinking about this today on the plane up here to Sydney. Like the, you got two choices, the prime minister. You show leadership, you go, you mingle on a world stage and you do what you should do, which is go to a meeting, or you live and die by the quarantine uh, laws and the restrictive... That, that you've enforced yourself. That you've enforced on... Because you've had to. Australians. Yeah. There was a great story I read today on... I can't remember where. I hate it when that happens. Where, where there was... There's 28% of Australians who were born overseas. So that's a, a lot of the population yep. who are afflicted by not being able to travel and see their family or their loved ones. I think in that circumstance, you can't you can't go. You need to be on Zoom or Teams. Well, that's unusual or, for you to say that because that would be something I would have expected you to think I would say. Or you you go, but you come back and do the same quarantine everyone else does. You can't home quarantine. Yeah. You probably you go and you say I'm going to do the 14 days on the way back, and I'm going to learn what you know firsthand what mm. people go through. Yeah. Is there any intent to do that? I haven't heard that, if there is. He, he'll come back and quarantine for 14 days in his home, in his which home. is what he did. In Kirribilli, is it? or What he did uh, the first time around. So I think that was the opportunity he missed, right, to, to experience yep. quarantine like others do. And then you, you're actually speaking a bit more from, from, from the heart. Yep. I assume, is he fully fully vaccinated? I assume he's fully vaccinated now. Uh, well, if he had the... He had the Astra, though, didn't he? If he had the Astra, he needs a second dose of it. You need, you yeah, need two doses, three months apart. Just on him, Hutchie. I don't. I don't assume you would have seen the Four Corners program last I haven't. Given... I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I, I read I, the commentary around it today. What did you think? I, I watched it. I, I wanted to sit down and watch it because I, I, you know, thought we we might have to talk about it. I, I was okay. Let me just say this Clearly purely as a purely as a as a um 
as a consumer of, of media, okay, so I'll have opinions on other aspects of it in a minute if you want me to, but as a consumer of media, media I was underwhelmed by the report. I don't think it said anything of, of any note that, that made me sit back and go, wow. I thought it was an illustration of a very, very um, – I just want to find the right, right word – I'll use the word broken family at, at the core of it. And when I say broken family, a member of it who was the, the person in question who had the links to QAnon, um, who had the friendship with, with Scott Morrison, he has hurt his family and, and I'm assuming vice versa. So it was, a, it was a broken family story in that regard with, with a, link, a link or a couple of links to the, the Prime Minister, one through the, the wife of and the, and the wives of. Um, beyond that, Hutchie. Do you think you're watching the – Full product or a watered-down version of the product? Well, if it was a watered-down version of the product, I, I, I felt it probably was into that bracket of report. This is my personal opinion, Hutchie, and that's all it is. It probably is in that zone. Maybe go and do a bit more work on it before we air it because that was what was yep. said to the reporters in question who have got okay. all up and, and antsy about it, and that's fine too because we're all proud of what we do as journalists. But again, Hutchie, other people, I've seen other people react to it and say it was a staggeringly good Put together story and, and look, I'm not doubting it's you know it's it's worth, but to me, I wanted more given the build up to it. So if you're the boss, right? Yep. If you're the head of the ABC, yep. And that is walked in to you as a story. If you, you that that tape is what lands on your desk. What do, what do you say? Yeah, that's enough for me. I'm going to run that as a Monday night eight thirty. Or well, you say, well, three weeks ago he said we're not running it, and and I, I don't know what would have. No, been. He didn't say we're not, he didn't never said that they weren't running. So they fully intended to run it, but they, there was more information than he wanted sourced. Yeah, he's, yeah but go, go and work on it again. Basically, I'm, I'm again, yep. it, this actually ended up being in a parliamentary committee um, statement as well as being a, a public one. But if they've added to it, Hutchie, I don't know how how it was in its original form. But again, there was as much conspiracy in it in, in the links, I reckon, with the Prime Minister as there was about, you know, setting up the conspiracy group, the QAnon group, which has uh, reaches and, and, and pursuits that are very, very, very questionable. But look, I didn't get caught up in it. And the use of the word ritual in the, in the parliamentary um, – explanation of Scott Morrison into abuse. Again, I, I get why people think that's an issue, but again, I wasn't taken by that angle of it, um, linking it to a QAnon conspiracy theory in itself. I, again, we can get caught up in it. I, I didn't. I'm, I'm just That's just my reaction to it. I'd be keen for you to see it, just to see what you did think of it. Changing tact. When someone dies, what, in a journalistic sense, are your obligations to... Uh, reflecting and mourning their passing versus fair commentary on the life that they lived. Uh, it's a great question. Uh, the truth is 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 the first answer, Hutchie. But to me, as a rule, as a rule, um, I think there needs to be a, a respectful component around the around the moment itself. So I'm talking about Dr. Jeff Edelston, who uh, passed on Friday, aged. 78, um, the circumstances of his passing weren't reported, which is understandable in the circumstance, but there was a lot of commentary on the life that he lived. He, I assume, sold a lot of newspapers and a lot of magazines in his time as a subject. Yep. So he was a, he was fodder for the, certainly for the magazines back in the day and probably for, and he, and he, and the print media had a, 
a relationship of mutual convenience. He used the media a lot. You yep. know, the Birdcage, one of the most famous examples, and probably one of the most media-friendly places to propose. He was forever pitching himself into the newspapers, and then they at times wrote stories that um, were the result of him and benefited them. I ask this because I saw Darren Hinch's criticism the next day of him very quickly on the life that he lived, and I thought, uh, okay, well, yes, I suppose you've got to report that if that was his view. But then I saw this story um, from Fiona Byrne, who's a terrific journalist at the Sunday Herald Sun. Uh, Bryn Edelston says, Jeffrey Edelston, a cheater, addicted to sugar daddy, dating sites. And the second paragraph got my attention. In a never-before-reported interview with the Sunday Herald Sun, Bryn Edelston also re- revealed the pair who were married were never intimate. When you delve into the fine print of the story, it's a 2016 mm. interview. I assume but don't know it didn't run at the time because he threatened legal action over it because you do see this from time to time, interviews that lawyers won't let run when someone's alive, but they do run when they've passed because they're no longer here to sue you yep. for running it. Yep. Do you think that's a, a, do you think that's a safe assumption? And B, and I don't know the answer to this. I'm just asking you more experienced in newspapers than me. Was it a fair and reasonable interview to run? Uh, what do they call it? Posthumously. 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 Um, look, I, look. All you can do is put yourself into the situation in question, and and I, I can't see myself running that interview on that day. Yeah, that, that's just my answer to that part of. So, the was it? Question. Is your issue with it the day that it ran? Like, do you need to give it a month? I, I, haven't a, I haven't got a major issue with it, Hutchie, and, and you're, you're the one who's, who's flagged this for conversation today. Um, I, I'll give you my opinion on it. I just have. Um, the Darren Hinch, all you, owe, all you owe the dead is the truth component to, to this conversation. Now, that, that's that's fair enough too. That, that's fair enough too. Um, he may well be privy to information that not even the public is privy to on a certain individual, not necessarily Jeffrey Edelson, but a certain individual, given his own investigative work for a long time, very successfully as a journalist. With regards to the uh, timing of it, I, I, I wouldn't have run – I look, again – I've, I'm fortunate enough now to have the luxury to call certain situations in, in what I do and don't do, and, and I, I can't see myself in any situation running that article. Would you? Well, you're the editor, though. That um, Fiona, who's, a, again, very good at what she does, comes to you and says, oh, just don't forget, we've got this interview from four years ago that we couldn't run that's you know, got a lot of interesting things in it. Yep. What do you say if you're the editor? Do you say, oh, Fiona, give it a week or two, or, oh, no, that's fair game now, or no, we, we shouldn't run that. That would be... You know, casting aspersions from. Well, the fact. Or do you say? Or do you say go back to Bryn and see if she's still comfortable with her view on that, and if so, um, tell her we're going to run it and see how she feels. The, the fact we're talking about it five days after at Hutchie says that the editors made the right call, doesn't it? To run it. Well, it, I'm assuming it got clicked very heavily online. I, I, don't, I don't have any doubt about that because it read like Bryn had spoken for the first time. If yep. you were just if you were just flicking through, you'd, you. It, it might have even taken a train eye to realise that was four or five years old, that interview. Hmm. If you didn't read it the way maybe a journalist reads certain phrases and paragraphs, you, you, you might have fallen for, for thinking it was a fresh interview. You're right. Does it change? So you, does it change so you're you're, you're comfortable with it? You think it's fair? No, I'm not, I just said that, Hutchie. I, 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 I'm not comfortable with it. I, I wouldn't have published it myself. That, that's my take on it. Are you? Okay. I, I'm just not sure. Like, I think it's... I think probably it's in the public interest 
to run it if you had that at the time and were that was Bryn's view. But I, I think you need to go back to Bryn and say, do you, do you stand by these comments well, for well, that, that may well have happened. Again, Hussie, and, and it was pretty sharp against the event. Like it was, you know, do you oh, think it was the week day or, of. The day of, It was yeah. a week or two. The night or, of, wasn't it? Or the, the, the night after of, yeah. But a bit like you and the uh, AOs, Hutchie, I, I'm not too worked up over, over this one. I'm, I'm answering a question about it because you've, you flagged it. Um, I was more – wasn't specific to Jeff. I was more interested in what respect do you owe the past as a journalist was my kind of question. It sparked me thinking about that. Just on on that, actually, before we do sign off on, on Jeff Edelston, you, I'm pretty sure you were invited to his wedding as, as I was, even though even I'd only, I'd only met him two or three times. Oh, you were invited to the wedding? I didn't go. I chose not to go. I, I got we, I got the plus one with Janine to go as well, Hutchie. Yeah, yeah. Just politely declined. I had no interest in going, but others we could have uh, we could have made a four of it and all gone along. And I'd <laughs> known you were there. We could have done a sounding board special from the uh, back rows. Did you go? No, no. Anyone that accepts a wedding invitation from someone they've never met, I don't, I don't trust. That's not what you do. You I, say, I, I, I like dealing nice. with Jeff for what it's worth. I, I, I only dealt with him in a very superficial I, I, way. In, I, I, in, I in never a had footy, a in a footy I, sense. I never met him. I oh, didn't. Or, ha- or had a conversation about him. At least I had him. done that a few times. I, I'd, I'd had a lunch with him and a, and a See, few I, catch ups. And so he might have liked you and said you can come. I doubt it. Wedding? No, I doubt it. I doubt it. Actually. I think, but but again, there were a lot of people who were invited who did go to that wedding who probably yep. were like you and had never never met him. Uh, actually, the latest on the the Brendan, uh, sorry, the Ben Roberts Smith coverage. Uh, we, we're going to have a, I suppose, a rolling coverage of this for the best part of ten weeks. Have, have you noticed anything in the past week that we need to address right now before we shut down I, our show today? I saw the media watch did something on it last night. I haven't seen that yet, but I've have taped it, so I'm going to go back and have a bit of a look at it and see where that that landed in the end. Speaking of which, by the way, before you wrap it up, the Soundies are open, so all nominations coming in for the Soundies, you can. Simply send. Uh, um, by the way, the, the score the scorecard. By the way, caught fire last week too. That's got a little bit of life in it. That's people who are sending their entries in domo, so it might have a bit of a future. You can drop for that in the next couple of days. A couple of Soundy nominations. Tell uh, tell you blokes that you can have the Soundies in nil. We're in the middle of nowhere. Zero cases of COVID. There's at least three listeners in town, so we should outnumber the hosts. <laughs> Didn't mind that. Yeah. Um, the Stop the Press Award uh, yeah. for Robbo's Zoom debacle oh. was the suggestion. We nearly got through without talking about him, Hutchie. We, we, you couldn't get through another minute or two? And the Missing the Mark Award was another nomination that's been sent forward, and, and Caro was nominated for her views on Classified. Uh, staff writers, by the way, <laughs> have had a big week. They're getting ready for the Soundies. <laughs> Not only is staff writer or writers in line yeah. for best news story, <laughs> uh, best breaking news story, uh, and best controversial news story, but as someone sent us, I'm just trying to find who sent us this because I feel very bad not knowing. Staff writer writers bobbed up as an opinion piece <laughs> on AFL.com.au. The staff writers have got in a room and agreed on an opinion. Don't <laughs> Did they? Which I didn't see this. I yeah, it was like, about Nate. It was about Nathan Buckley's legacy. Yeah. Uh, by staff writers at <laughs> AFL.com.au. So, so they're writing opinions now, Hutchie. Did. When did staff writers yep. break out and become opinionists? What I want to know is... <laughs> the evolution of the staff writer. At last week's staff writers meeting, did someone yeah. go, now I've got something I want to raise <laughs> for everyone else? Yeah. It's a bit controversial. <laughs> I reckon all of us are due to come together as one voice. <laughs> How about we launch our first collective opinion piece by staff writers? Because the soundies are coming up.
<laughs> best opinionist. They won't have got their head around who that's going to be. And staff writers could take the pool here. Staff writers is, is branching out, Damo. As a lot of staff writers have done over the journey, Hutchie, some have branched out into the broadcast media. Can there be a staff broadcaster? Now, the staff writers uh, appear on uh, those grabs on TV with their whole uh, the pixelated face. Pixelated. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They, they do exist, don't they? They so do. They'll exist. be like a current yeah. affair will say. Um, but the public is outraged. <laughs> so, uh, staff writers from AFL.com told us they were furious. So, so therefore, the, 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 the ghost of grab where the staff writers. Therefore, more exists. Everyone in here is really angry about this. It's not not really acceptable. We're all very angry. <laughs> Therefore, already exists in the anonymous quote in the in the print form as well. well. Yeah, well if staff writers have got such momentum, the anonymous quotes might be the thing of the past. They the anonymous be. quotes meeting this year will be dealing with the staff writers' problem as the first line on their annual general meeting. <laughs> Hachi, question of the week time now. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. Roger Byron on Facebook poses this. Do reporters reference or use the fans or, quote, supporter groups wanting change at clubs to support their own stories or or justify the writing of a story? How could they possibly measure that? Surely that goes alongside unnamed sources in the credibility scale. You just need a neat narrative. And the fans fans want to know the old chest done, isn't it? Don't you love it when you when you hear people? And and I've said it too, actually. I never wash my hands of what I'm about to say. Of course you have. Oh, and, and you have too. I've heard you say it. Yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've spoken to a lot of, insert club name here, supporters today, and they tell me that, I mean, how many how many supporters do we really know of clubs who have any form of influence about, about anything well, that goes on? fundamentally, clubs don't care about the opinion of supporters unless there's enough of them to jeopardise their own role. Like Collingwood right now. They care so about when, their supporters yeah, right when, now. When, when there's a groundswell that could affect jobs or perception, then you start to take a bit of interest. But until then, you've got zero interest really in how the fans think. <laughs> That's a reasonably I, flippant take on the I, relationship and the dynamic between club and supporter, Archie. Even I'm not, not that sceptical about it's not. it. The clubs don't. The clubs <laughs> run the way they feel they should. No. And they're not really sitting there thinking, but how are the fans going to feel about this? Oh, no, no, no. To the contrary. I, I think some think too often and too deeply about what they think. Well, they, they think I think some are run by, by a fear of what supporters well, might do. To your point, park that for another day because we're out of time on the sounding board. Damo, it's been a big week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink with staff writers, choose to Drinkwise. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au. Follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise.